Good morning and welcome to this time of worship. We extend a cordial welcome to our visitors today and we invite you to return soon and consider making this your church home. If you're attending for the first time and have glanced at the names of the church staff in the bulletin, let me tell you, I am not Arthur Holt. <laughs> he has more hair than I do. Um, Arthur and Penny are out of town. They're spending time with family for a few days, and it's my privilege to fill in for Arthur uh, this morning. Let me take this opportunity to share a couple of personal words. I want to thank you for the welcome that you have extended to Marcia and me as new members here at Memorial. We have met a number of you and are trying to learn names and faces and we look forward to getting to know the rest of you and sharing fellowship and ministry with you here at Memorial. There are a couple of announcements. Um, Katie asked me to remind you of the wonderful Wednesday this week. Information is there in the bulletin. You're encouraged to sign up for the children. And also um, to extend her thanks to everyone for coming out to the late day uh, last Sunday. Other announcements are found there in the bulletin. I invite your attention to them as you plan your week. Let's now prepare to worship.
The Apostles' Creed is on page 881. Let us unite in this historic confession of the Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of the heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffering in Pontius Pilate, was crucified and dead and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, the Father of Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, We invite all the children to come down front now for some moments together. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Natalie and Lauren, y'all got a sneak peek at my children's sermon this morning, so you're going to be able to help me, okay? What's Hunter holding for me this morning? Yes, and why do you think I brought an American flag for us to talk about? Yeah, and what do we celebrate tomorrow on the 4th of July? Yeah, Independence Day, our country's birthday, right? Well, when I look at that flag, and I see the three colors that make up our flag, they all remind me of certain things about our country. So I wanted to share those things with you this morning. First, I see red, and the red stands for courage. Many men and women have had the courage to stand up for our country. They have fought for our country and defended us against our enemies, and many of them have died doing that for us. So the red reminds me of courage. Next, I see the white, and the white stands for purity. Purity means to do what is right, and so we hope and pray that our country is always pure and always stands for and does the right things. And what's the last color? Blue, and the blue stands for justice. We pledge allegiance to the flag, and the last line of the Pledge of Allegiance says, with liberty and justice for all. So that means that in our country, everyone should be treated fairly. Does that make sense? And with respect? So that's why blue reminds me of justice. Well, those three colors, the same three colors in our flag, also remind me of something else. Natalie and Lauren, do y'all remember what I said this morning? What, is it, what else can it remind us of? Exactly, things about Jesus. And Lauren said the first one. The red in our flag reminds me of Jesus' blood that was shed when he died on the cross for our sins. And that's very important because the Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for our sins. Next is the white. And the white reminds me that when I give my heart to Jesus, he washes me and I become white as snow. The Bible says you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's the last color? Blue. So blue reminds me of God's faithfulness. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins and make us clean. So God is faithful, and he keeps his promises. So do you think you can do like I do now and not only remember our country when you see the colors in our flag, but think of Jesus? Is that pretty neat? Okay, let's close our eyes and you repeat after me as we pray. Dear God, thank you for our great country. And more importantly, thank you for our Savior. 
Help us to remember Jesus when we see our flag. Amen. The Old Testament lesson is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10. In Deuteronomy, Moses is addressing the Israelite people before they enter the promised land. And he warns them of the temptations in that new land and pleads uh, for them to be loyal to God. So now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Only to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his decrees that I have commanded you today for your own well-being. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. You shall also love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. Him alone you shall worship. To him you shall hold fast. And by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God. Who has done for you these great and awesome things. That your own eyes have seen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The responsive reading is Psalm 72 on page 795. Let me ask you to stand, please. Psalm 72 is a prayer asking God to bless the king of Israel. Our reading begins on this page and continues to the next. Let us read responsibly. Give the king your justice, O God. And your righteousness to the Lord's son. May he judge your people with righteousness. And your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May you May he live while the sun endures, and as long as the moon, throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the northwest, like showers that water the earth. In his days may righteousness flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May his foes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the isles render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when they call 
the poor and those who have no helper. He has the weak and and saves the lives of the needy. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. May it wave on the tops of the mountains. May its fruit be like the And may they blossom forth in the cities like the grass of the field. reading from the epistles is from the letter of Paul to the Galatians. And in this letter, Paul declares that one is not saved by following uh, the Jewish rules and rituals. Instead, one is saved by faith in Christ, which then leads to good works. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another for the whole law is summed up in a single commandment you shall love your neighbor as yourself again this is the word of God for the people of God thanks be to God
Let us now go to the Lord in prayer. Eternal and gracious God, we are particularly mindful today of the many blessings that have been ours as a country. We are fortunate to live in a land with abundant resources and a land that is filled from sea to sea with the beauty of nature, the mountains and the beaches, the forests and the plains. We're thankful for the liberties we enjoy, including the freedom to worship this day. May we ever be vigilant citizens by participating in our democracy and upholding its freedoms. May we always be grateful for the best in our heritage, building on that which is good while helping to improve that which is unjust. As a nation of Native Americans and immigrants from many lands, we thank you for the contributions which each culture has brought to our shores. Help us to live together in love and peace as we work side by side for common goals. Guide us, O oh Lord, along our earthly ways that as a nation we may be a source of help to those in need and a voice of conscience against the forces of oppression and a light of hope to all who seek mercy and justice and goodwill. All of these things we pray in the spirit of Christ who taught his disciples to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship as we give our tithes and offerings.
Please be seated. The gospel lesson today comes from the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John. In this passage, Jesus states that faith in him is what leads to freedom, freedom from the bondage of sin. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, we are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, very truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This weekend is a festive one. That's because tomorrow our country is having a birthday. In some places, there are parades and patriotic speeches. Almost everywhere, uh, there is barbecue and fireworks. It's a time of celebration. But it can be more than that. The July 4th holiday is an occasion when we Americans can and should pause to consider our liberty as a nation. And it's appropriate that we in the church go even further and ask a question. Is there any special way in which we as Christians view the matter of freedom? Is there any distinctively Christian way to view our liberty? Well, I think there is. There are two kinds of freedom. An external, physical one and an internal, spiritual one. External freedom is the one that we think about on the 4th of July because deep in the heart and mind of everyone is the desire to be physically free, bodily free. People all over the world have a hunger to be liberated, liberated from dictatorships, oppression, military rule, poverty, racism. History is full of examples. We need look no further than the most recent news-making demonstrations this year in countries in Northern Africa and the Middle East. We can also look to the Old Testament book of Exodus for an example. The Hebrews were a slave people in the land of Egypt, but they dreamed of deliverance. They dreamed of having a land that they could call their own. God sent Moses to Pharaoh with the message, let my people go. But Pharaoh just laughed and would have none of it. However, before long, 
after a series of plagues, Pharaoh changed his mind. And the road from Egypt was crowded with the Hebrew people moving out of bondage to a land of promise. They were on their way to freedom. Liberty was a dream of God's people. It's fair to say that this same dream was a driving force in the lives of the founding fathers of our nation. The Declaration of Independence was founded in religious beliefs and principles. It was Thomas Jefferson who declared, the God who gave us life gave us liberty. God created within us humans the yearning to be free. On June 17, 1776, at the Second Continental Congress meeting in Philadelphia, a committee was called upon to prepare a document stating independence from uh, Great Britain. After discussing the matter at several meetings, a committee designated the 33-year-old Jefferson, a Virginia lawyer, to prepare a draft of a declaration. He was chosen, as John Adams put it, because he has a reputation of literature, conscience, and a happy talent of composition. Well, Jefferson sat in the parlor of his second floor lodging at the corner of Second and Market Streets in Philadelphia. And without consulting a book or a pamphlet, he wrote in half a day our nation's affirmation of faith. He showed the draft to John Adams, who made two corrections, and then to Benjamin Franklin, who made five minor revisions. It was then submitted to the Committee of Five and approved without change. The declaration was reported to the Continental Congress on June the 28th. On July 2nd, the Congress approved the resolution declaring independence from Great Britain, and then two days later, July the 4th, the Declaration of Independence was formally adopted and proclaimed to all the world. From that day to this, that document has been an inspiration and a hope for the oppressed of all nations. In it, we find these familiar words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those words proclaim a lofty ideal. It's one that we are still trying to reach. We know that in Jefferson's day, all men were not equal. All men were not free. It would be several generations before slaves in the United States were emancipated. It'd be even more time before women got the right to vote, and still more time before blacks gained their civil rights under the law. Jefferson's words were true. 
There should be liberty and justice for all. But we're still working to make that a reality. Our Christian faith calls us to address all forms of bondage that keep people from reaching their potential as children of God, including the bondages of poverty and illiteracy and joblessness. That's part of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's why we Christians join with others in a wide range of ministries to help meet the physical needs of people. It's the example our Lord gave us as he went about feeding the hungry and healing the sick. <clears throat> so there are two freedoms. One is external, physical. The second, and dare I say, the more important of the two, is inward freedom, spiritual freedom. We have been created not only with a body, but with a soul. Jesus lived and died to save us from inner bondage, the bondage of sin and guilt and fear and anxiety. To change outward circumstances only does not make us fully free. In the United States, we have as many external freedoms as any people on earth. Many Americans have a standard of living that is the envy of most of the world's people. So outwardly, many in our nation are doing very well. But some of them do not feel happy, do not feel free from inner struggles. There are some who do not know the inward freedom and joy that Christ can bring. When I finished seminary, my first appointment was to a small congregation. Several months before I arrived, the congregation had held um, a lay witness program, lay witness mission program. That program is designed so that persons from other churches come to your local church and over a weekend, um, those individuals share their faith and talk about uh, their Christian journey. And at the end of the weekend, on Sunday morning at worship, an invitation is extended to accept Christ as Savior, or if that's been done, to renew one's commitment to be a faithful disciple of Christ. When I arrived, I learned that two men in particular were changed that weekend. I'll call them William and Robert. I was told that prior to that weekend, William and Robert had been good, decent family men, but they'd not been active in attending worship nor participating in the ministries of the local church. Well, let me tell you that by the time I got there, William and Robert were not only worshiping every Sunday, they were singing in the choir. And in addition, William taught in a Sunday school class and had become a key leader in that local church. Robert was not a leader, but he would cheerfully do any task that you asked him to do around the church. I found both of those men to be a pleasure to be around. Everyone can experience the inner power that makes one spiritually free. Human nature needs more than physical freedom. 
It needs a Savior. The gospel proclaims that Jesus is the one who can make us truly free. Let me give one other example. There are a large number of food programs on cable and satellite TV. It has not always been that way. Years ago, there were just a few celebrity chefs. One of them was Graham Kerr, whom some of you may remember as the Galloping Gourmet. Both Kerr and his wife Trina were famous and wealthy. But Trina became addicted to drugs and was near a mental and emotional breakdown. One day, the young black woman who worked for the Kerrs said, Miss Kerr, why don't you give your problem over to God? And she did. And as a result, Trina's life was changed. She said, I felt an immense, marvelous unburdening, but I was afraid to share it with my husband in case it didn't last. So for three months, Trina Kerr secretly held on to her new experience. She prayed and read her Bible in private. But the change in her life could not be hidden, for there was less stress, less tension, less arguing. And finally, she told her husband what had happened. He took her into his arms and confessed that he, too, was near the breaking point, and he prayed that God would do for him what God had done for her. And God did. Both came to experience the inner freedom that comes from faith in Christ. On this Fourth of July weekend, it's appropriate that we as citizens give thanks for our great nation. It's even more important that as Christians, we give thanks for our freedom in Christ. For Jesus is the one who forgives us and frees us from the bondage to sin. And that's the message that we in the church have to share with others. So let us be witnesses by what we say and especially by what we do. Let us witness to the saving love of Christ. So be it. Amen. Let us stand and sing hymn 398.